0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world.
1: God bless you. It's good to be alive. Let's, let's try that again. It's good to be alive. Oh, that's better. That's better. Since I was here the last time, I've had two cancer operations. And I'm glad to tell you that the doctors tell me I am now (laughs) cancer-free. I'm sure you are aware of this, that when you have cancer and you have an operation, you have to go back to the doctors every so many months and for so many years and so on and so forth like that. And um, when I was there the last time... Uh, uh, my PSA blood count had gone down from 0.06 to 0.03, and the words were, this is remarkable. Come on, hallelujah! And the, and the surgeon said to me, I've never told anyone that I've operated on that they're doing any better than good, but you're doing absolutely great. Come on, Hallelujah. And uh, it was really funny, um, you know, they operate on you and, you know, it takes time to recover and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was just getting tired of it, sitting around the house, not doing much, and I wanted to get going ministering again. Come on, are you hearing me? I'm not called to do anything else. I'm not called to sit around a the house. There's only so much sport I can watch on TV. <laughs> Anybody with me on that? <laughs> And uh, so I went in to see the the specialist, one of the visits, and I walked into his office and I went like this. Be quiet. Sit down. Listen to me. And he looked at me and he said, I'm the doctor, you're the patient. I said, be quiet. I said, now here's the deal. I've had enough sitting around. You've done all that you can do. Now, when I first went to him, I said, I'm trusting you, Doc, and I'm trusting God. And he said to me, if I were you, I'd reverse that. I'd trust God, then trust me. So I said, I've been trusting God. Now, here's the deal. God is my healer. Come on, are you hearing me? And I said, I'm out of here. I'm starting back in the ministry. Regardless of what you say, I don't care what you say. I'm starting back in the ministry. He said, when? I said, when I walk out of this office, I'm going to the airport, I'm catching a plane to New Zealand, and I'm starting a crusade tomorrow night. And he looked at me and said, you're nuts. I said, maybe, but that's what's going to happen. Come on, hallelujah. And we haven't looked back, can you say amen? So we're delighted to be here with Pastor and his wife and family and you guys and And uh, all the Cuban people that I'd met, even in Cuba. Yeah. And my good friend, Pastor Russell Griggs, is here visiting us this morning. I've known him for a lot of years. All right. Okay, got your Bibles? Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 10. Leviticus 16 and verse 10. Now, very rarely do you hear a message from the book of Leviticus. Here we go. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. I went and saw a movie several years ago, and it was about two old guys who were going around doing all the things they wanted to do in their life before they died. And they called it their bucket list. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so that term is in our language today. We go, well, we're putting that in my bucket list. Well, I want you to think this morning, just for this morning, that you have a bucket list. And your bucket list is all your past sins, Issues, regrets, condemnations, hurts, wounds, they are all in your bucket list for this morning. In all religious situations, when we would have issues such as I'm talking about, they would literally cut off the flesh of people's bodies to satisfy their religious beliefs. Thank God those days are gone. Anybody with me on that? All right. Today, we still have equally ineffective ways of dealing with these past issues. Here's what I'm talking about. People are still repenting, going to God for forgiveness and things like that, for things that were taken care of when you got saved and are under the blood and in the mind of God no longer exist. Come on, are you hearing me? A man came to me just a few weeks ago, and I preached this message in the church he was at, and he said, "Pastor Al, I wished I'd heard this 12 years ago." So why? He said, "12 years ago I got saved." I was a raging alcoholic. I got delivered, but I've lived with the pain of the alcoholism for 12 years since I got saved, and I found out today that was in the past and that was nailed to the cross also. And I've lived with it and now I know I don't have to. The Old Testament has an answer. Fulfilled in the New Testament. Fulfilled in you and I. It's a day the Jewish people call Yom Kippur. God set up this day in the Old Testament. One day a year to allow people to get rid of all of their old sins and issues of the previous year. They put it in their bucket list at the end of each year. No matter what they'd done, they were not allowed to carry the weight of these issues for more than one year. If you did, you'd be overwhelmed, and it would be more than you could cope with. So God set aside this day, one day a year, and said, this is the holiest day of the year. It was not about worship. It was a mechanism that God put into place for us to bring our guilt and shame, and then it was sent to a faraway place. Every detail was spelled out in Leviticus chapter 16. Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. It centers around two goats. They would cast lots for the two goats. One was for God in the temple, and the other was for the scapegoat outside the temple. The word for scapegoat in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word Azazel. Everybody shout the word Azazel, please. Amen. And it literally means take him away. And it comes from the root Hebrew word meaning weapon in the hand of the enemy. So what was happening on the day of Yom Kippur was this. It would take away the sin, the guilt, the shame, the issues of the past, and everything that could be used as a weapon in the hand of the enemy was now taken away. Whoa. The time of Yom Kippur was from New Year to to the day of Yom Kippur, 10 days. During those 10 days, you would have to think of everything you said and done in order to get rid of it and put it in your bucket list. We have to understand the levels of sin in Israel's culture. Stay with me on this. Number one. The word iniquity, the word iniquity means the starting point to any sin. In the Hebrew language, iniquity means this, whatever your eye hooks onto, multiplies. Say that again. Whatever your eye hooks onto, multiplies. That's the word iniquity. The second word or level is sin. That means you look, you lust, you decide you want it, you go after it, and now you are sinning. And the third word is the word transgression, which means the breaking of the law. Now, in Isaiah 53, verse 6, the great prophetic chapter of Jesus going to the cross, look what it says says the lord has laid on jesus not the sin but the iniquity let me say that again the iniquity whatever our eye hooked onto of us all so what he's saying is god forgives not just what we've done but all the way back to what our eye hooked onto somebody say amen that's called the grace of God. Yom Kippur has three elements to it. The temple, the priest, and the goats. And the day centered around the two goats. One goat for God, they took it in the temple, they sacrificed it in the temple. Outside the temple would be between 300 and 350,000 Israelites who would show up with their bucket list list for the year at Yom Kippur, and obviously they couldn't all get inside the temple. The second goat was the scapegoat, and it was to be a visual presentation outside of the temple of what was going on inside the temple. The first thing they'd do in the temple is take the goat to the altar, lay hands on it. The Hebrew word for lay hands is the Hebrew word malah. Everyone shout malah. And it means to impart. The priests of that day in the temple had the authority to impart all the sins, the issues of the Israelites for the past year onto that goat. Now, Revelation 13 verse 8 says this. The Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. What happened was God imparted all of your sin, my sin, our issues, everything in our background onto Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, are you hearing me? And whatever he put on him does not belong to us today if we're born again. The next thing the priest would do is lay on the goat, reach around the goat, and squeeze the goat. Then in the ninth hour, the priest would pull the goat's head back and say these words, It is finished. Oh, I love those words. For in John 19, verse 30, Jesus cried out on the cross, It is finished. Is finished. I don't know if you understand the depth of that. What he was saying right there at that moment is this When you come to me, your sin is washed away, your past is gone, it is nailed to the cross, and it no longer belongs to you. It is finished. But also at that moment, the veil was rent from top to bottom, opening up the way so that any human being that's born again can go into the presence of God because now we are pure, spotless, and holy, and we are acceptable in the presence of Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah. You can just walk in there. Awesome. The second goat, the word Azazel, take him away. They would lay hands on that goat, confess over it all the sins and wickedness, rebellion, hurts Israel of, uh, hurts of Ish- Israel in the past year. They'd put the bucket list of the past year on that goat's head, impart it to the goat, Then they would appoint a man whose task it was to take the goat into the wilderness and release it so it never ever returned again. Then they would take a red cord. They would wrap the red cord around the goat's head, then cut part of the red cord off and hang it on the temple. Then the man they appointed would take the goat through the crowd. And as he was walking the goat through the crowd, he would cry these words over and over again so everybody could hear it. Behold, Israel, your sin is being removed as far as the east is from the west. Sometimes the Bible says things by what it doesn't say. It didn't say north and south because north and south meet. East and west go out into affinity and never meet. And the psalmist David said in Psalm 113 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin. In other words, God has... moved our sin so far that it goes out into infinity and it never, ever comes back. Are you with me on that? The people would watch the goat, then it would be released, and they would know that their bucket list for the past year was gone. It was a picture, a type, of all of our sins, hurts, issues, being removed. Anything the enemy might use against us was now gone. And our bucket list is now empty. That's the miracle of Yom Kippur. The red cord that was hanging in the temple when the goat was released each year would supernaturally turn white. Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was basically the end of Yom Kippur except for one thing. Officially with one motion, the priest would return and sit on a special seat on the stage of the temple and that would be the indication to the people all the work had been done. There was nothing else left to do. The bucket list is empty the cord has turned white and the goat has left the house. The priests would then sit down. Imagine, if you will, the relief on the inside of all of those people. All the past year's bucket list is gone. And they say that it initiated... One of the most incredible celebrations that you could ever be around. They would shout. They would cheer. They would dance. They would run. They would whistle. For hour after hour, at the sheer joy that their bucket list for the last year was now empty and gone. We come to church, and we try to get people to praise and worship God because God is so awesome. And they go, hallelujah, praise the Lord. They give a little gentle clap. We need to get excited. Come on, we need to get over the top. Come on, are you hearing me? If somebody got up and in sheer joy ran around the building, we'd all be going, what's wrong with them? But the truth is, is what's right with them? If somebody began to shout louder than everybody else, some of us would say they're out of order. But they're actually in order. It would be the rest of us that are out of order. Come on, we're so quiet and dignified. Come on, are you hearing me? We go, well, it's in my heart, I know. But if it's in your heart, it's meant to manifest outside your heart. Amen. I can go to a football game and they shout louder than people do in church. They get more excited over a football than we do over God. It's time we got excited about what God has done for us. Come on, are you hearing me? It's time. I think the church has been pushed down by what people say outside in the world. And so we just sort of don't want to offend anyone and get people upset when we need to realize that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light on a hill. Can you say amen? Come on, hallelujah. We are what makes this country tick. Come on, hallelujah. We are liberated. We are forgiven. All that was in our bucket list is now gone. In the New Testament, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. He was our scapegoat, Azazel, take him away. Remember when Pilate was taking Jesus before the people and he didn't know what to do with him. He said to the crowd in John 19 verse 4, What shall I do with Jesus? And they cried out, Take him away. We've had gross misunderstanding of that they understood something that some of us don't understand. Jesus was taking away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Jesus, the scapegoat, has carried all of our sins away. He went to the cross. How many say amen to that? Now, Now here's what people, I talk to people about Jesus every week. And here I say, I say, they say to me, "This not great? I'm saved. Jesus went to the cross. My sin was nailed to the cross, and I'm going to heaven. If that's all your life is about, you've missed the boat. See, Christianity is not just about getting saved and going to heaven. Christianity is about bringing heaven down to earth. Come on, are you hearing me? Come on, are you hearing me? Bringing heaven down into our families. Bringing heaven down into our home and our workplace. I've had people say to me, aren't you excited you're going to heaven? I go, yeah. Well, so are we. We, we want to go now. I said, I don't want to go now. I'm happy here now. Because I know that when I get to heaven, I'm going to be there a long time. And I'm happy to have heaven here on earth now even in the midst of the most diabolical situations you can have heaven on earth. Hallelujah. We got saved. It's awesome. Jesus went to the cross. Our sin was nailed to the cross. That's awesome. But something else happened after Calvary. The Bible said that we were made to be seated on the right hand of the Father with Jesus. Do you know what that means? We're seated on the right hand of the Father. You see that in Ephesians 10, verses 11 and 12. The moment we are seated on the right hand of the Father, it means everything is finished. It's over. Our sin, our past, our iniquities, our hurts, our shame is gone. Come on, hallelujah. It's gone. It is finished. The work is done. Your sins are forgiven. The bucket list is empty. You are cleansed. The cord is turned white. The priest has sat down and we have sat down on the right hand of God. Now listen. The only person that can bring back your old sin, past, hurts, regrets, issues is you. Nobody else. You. So I'm telling you this morning the Bible says all of that was nailed to the cross. So the only way to take it down is take a hammer or, or a crowbar and pull the nails out. So leave it nailed. Come on, hallelujah. You don't don't take it back. See, people say this to me. You don't understand, Pastor. I remember when I did stop. 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 The goat has left your house. Come on, hallelujah. When your relatives say to you, I remember when you used to stop, stop. The goat has left my house. Come on. When the devil comes to you sometime and says, oh, you, you're not all you think you are. I remember when you did go, stop. The goat has left my house. Come on, hallelujah. Nobody else may know what you're talking about, but you know what you're talking about. The goat has left your house. I was walking through the Sydney airport just few weeks ago with a friend of mine. All of a sudden, I heard this as loud as you can imagine. The goat has left my house. Everything stopped. And I looked around and there was a guy smiling at me and giving me the thumbs up. So I shouted back and he left mine too. Come on, Hallelujah. The goat has left your house, never to return. Come on, are you hearing me? Come on, hallelujah. Don't say to me, oh, pastor, you don't understand. I do understand. The goat has left my house. I was preaching in New Zealand just before I came over here. Pastor's wife comes up to me. And she says, I remember you. So, from where? She said, I was in the same class as you at school. And she said, I remember. Stop. The goat has left my house. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not the old goat, the goat. God knows that we are human. Talk to me. Come on. So he knows that there is a possibility that we might sin on occasions. Even unknowingly. Come on. But the Bible tells us in John 1, uh, first, sorry, 1 John 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Now, here's the great thing about this. That phrase, the blood of Jesus cleanses us, in the Greek is in the present continuous tense. It means the blood of Jesus has cleansed us and keeps on cleansing us. Come on, hallelujah. That's why you can keep going into the throne room of God and be accepted. Can you say amen? Because there's no more sin. But to count, to balance the message. If we go out and deliberately, willfully, knowledgeably commit sin, then we need to repent of that. Are you hearing me? But I want you to know something. We said all that was said on the great day of Yom Kippur, it is this. The goat, the scapegoat, Azazel, has left your house. Come on, hallelujah. Let's stand together. I want us all to shout out loud, please, three times. The goat has left my house. Ready? Ready? Ladies, I want you to shout it out twice, please. The goat has left my house. Ready? The goat has left my house. The goat has left my house. All the men shout it three times because you need to say it three times. Ready? Ready? Now, everybody together, as loud as you can do it. Ready? One more time. Now, turn to somebody, smile at them, let them see your teeth or at least where they used to be, and say to them, The goat has left my house. Listen, I'm going to close with this. All your old sin, all your old iniquity, whatever your eye hooked onto, all your old wounds, hurts, issues, embarrassments, condemnatory attitudes have all gone. Come on, they're all gone. They are gone. They are gone. And for the last time, let's shout it out loud one more time. Ready? You may be seated. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody moving, nobody looking, nobody talking, please. This morning, I would like the opportunity and honor to pray for the greatest miracle that can happen to a human being. That is the miracle of Jesus Christ coming into your heart and into your life and washing all of your sin away. What are you talking about? Every person is born into this world with an inherent nature of sin because of the fall of Adam and Eve. You, me, and everyone else. But God said, I'll make a way out. I'll make a way of escape for you. And he allowed his son Jesus to go to the cross. And on the cross, he took the sin of all mankind upon himself. And he said, if you'll open up your heart and your mind, make a choice, a decision to invite me in to your life, I will come in spiritually and I will wash all of your sin away. But you have to make a choice to do that. At this point, people start making excuses not to do it. They say things like, I don't want to be religious. We don't want you to be religious either. We're against religion. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is about relationship. You say, well, I've got my church. We're not talking about your church. We're talking about receiving Jesus into your life. Well, my family, man, they all go to church. No, 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 you don't understand. Nobody can make this choice for you. You have to make it for yourself. Well, I'll go home and think about it. That's just a very nice way of saying no. People say to me, well, I'm doing the very best I can. It's not about what you're doing. It's about who you've invited into your life, Jesus, and what he's doing. Well, I think I'm a Christian. I hope I am. Here's the reality. If you only think you are, if you only hope you are, the reality is that you probably are not a Christian if you were, you would never say, I think I am or I hope I am. What you would say is, I know that I am. And there's no doubt about it. And so this morning, I'd like to pray for men and women here. Say, Al, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to know all my sin washed away. I need to know that the scapegoat, the goat, has left my house. And in order to do that, I'm going to ask you to respond by simply raising your hand, letting me see it, and putting it down so we can pray for you. Would you just raise your hand now? Put it up high. Now put your hands down. Say, Al, I need to be saved. I need to know that Jesus has come into my life. I need to know that my sin is washed away. If you don't know that for sure, then I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you now. Would you just raise your hand right now for that? Would you stand together, please, those that raise their hands? I'm going to ask all of you that have raised your hands, please. To so step out of your seats past the people. Walk down the various aisles. Stand in a line across the front of the platform here facing me so we can pray for you. Would you come right now, please? Here they come. going to pray a prayer asking Jesus to come into our heart, into our life and to wash all of our sin away. I'm going to pray that prayer out loud a line at a time and I'm going to ask all the people standing at the front to repeat it together, each line out loud after me and I'm going to ask the entire crowd out there to pray it each line with them super loud. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight, today and I thank you for this opportunity to invite you into my life. I confess to you now that I am a sinner and I need you. I ask you to wash all of my sin away. I ask You to become my Saviour. I thank You now, Lord Jesus, that You are hearing and answering my prayer. You are now coming into my life. You are now becoming my Saviour. You are now washing my sin away. I now belong to You. And you belong to me. You are now my Savior. And I am now your child. I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Amen. Give Jesus a big hand clap. All right. Now all of you guys standing at the front, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to go ask you to go with one of the leaders of this church, just into a back room here all together. And they're going to pray with you, give you some literature, answer any questions you might have, and just be a friend to you for a few minutes. Then you come right on back into this service. So would you just raise your hand? Hold on. You're going to follow this gentleman over here. Let's give him a big hand as they go. Give him a big hand. Praise God. Now we're going to be here Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night, right? And we're going to, even though some of them are Spanish nights, we'll use an interpreter. You don't want my Spanish. And I'm going to do some real teaching on the heart. And I want to do something on Friday night. All the services are going to be different. So you can come to all of them. Seven thirty. They're not going to be running late. We'll let you out like uh, seven eight thirty, no later than nine in the morning. I mean nine at night. <laughs> all right. We keep, we understand you got kids. They got to get up. Some of you got to get up early. Come straight from work. But on Friday night, I want to run a miracle night. I want to run a miracle night. Two kinds of miracles. For the sick to be healed. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it happens, it happens, it happens. Here's the other miracle. I want to pray for everybody here on Friday night for a miracle to get out of debt. I'm serious. I want you to do something. Get all your bills. Put them in an envelope. Bring them to church. We're not going to read them. We're not going to look at them. We're going to pray over them. Believe God to rebuke the devourer and get you a miracle of getting out of debt. I'm serious about this. Come on. We need to get out of debt. Can you say amen? And when we're prayed for them, we're going to gather them all up and give them to Pastor. No, we're not. No, we're not. (laughs) So bring them. If you don't want to bring all your bills, just write the amount and put it in an envelope. We're not going to keep them. We're not going to know what it is. And let me tell you something. The biggest amount of bills is not usually the largest. I've seen people come with one bill for $12 million. Come on, are you hearing me? And we're believing God to get you out of debt. And there's all kinds of stories in the Word of God where God did miracles to get people out of debt. Amen. Everybody shout, the goat has left the house, please. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.
0: Let's stand up this morning. 17 people coming to God this morning, wanting to get right with the Lord. That's, that's huge. That's powerful. Let's celebrate with a celebration song real quick. You guys got something celebratory there? Um, and, you know, just raise your hand to God. You know, well, let us be grateful. When I see God doing miracles in the lives of others, I see God doing miracles in my life. I see the potential of His faithfulness in my family. And uh, for years to come, God is a perfect God. Let's go ahead and sing this song, and then we'll pray to be released. Worship your God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're awesome. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we worship you and give you thanks for your goodness in this house. Give you thanks, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, you sent your Son so that we might run. be set free from guilt, shame, iniquity, sins, rebellions, disobedience, oh God. You broke the curse, you turned it into a blessing, oh God. That we might rejoice and be glad all the days of our life. Surely mercy and goodness, your goodness, your mercy will follow us. And we, in response, will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A refuge, strong tower. We give you thanks, Lord, for this reality. And that each day that comes, and we could continue to say, Lord, we've been set free, delivered, saved, cleansed, washed, and loved. In your embrace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. I want to announce also, real quickly, that t- uh, Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, our men's meeting, uh, we're going to have Al come and, and speak to the men, but I want you to speak to the men. There's no, no women there, so you don't have to go soft, you just, r- real hard, bring your, bring your uh, sledgehammer, uh, your surgical knife, the circumcision knife also and some guys circumcised in their heart. Uh, Greet one another and love the Lord, and tell them uh, the goat left the house. Amen? God bless you.